Hello and welcome to the archive. I'm your host, Ray J, and this is a podcast where I read fanfiction stories for you to listen to. Today we're going to be reading chapter two of I'm Always Running Into You, which is my story. I go by RJ is random on AO3. First things first, I want to apologize for being very absent. I can't even remember the last time that I uploaded. I guess I have a lot of excuses. But I ADHD hyper-focused on getting that first episode out and recording like a backlog and then my object permanence kicked in. So I forgot that it existed. Which I apologize for, but I'm here now. I'm willing to go back at it. And the reason being is the amount of love that you guys have actually showed running into you. It's insane. You guys are insane. I hope you know that. You guys are crazy. I got so many messages on Twitter, on my Instagram. One of you found my email. Like, not through AO3. My actual email. I don't know how you found that. Thanking me for writing and continuing to write. And telling me how much you guys love that story. And it's just insane. You guys are crazy. I love you so much. I don't know why you guys have stuck with this for so long. I don't know why you've stuck with me for so long. I know some of you have left, which, I mean, understandable. It's a lot of chaos. But for those of you who have stuck around and have kept reading and sometimes rereading and messaging me, it helps a lot. It gives me so much joy and makes me continue writing and i just want to say that i appreciate you guys through all seventy thousand words of angst that it took to get to where we did in chapter or a2 or whatever it is i'm not finished yet we've still got a ways to go there's another thing that i wanted to talk about some of you if you follow me on twitter you will have heard me complaining but one of my fix got a strike against it has now been hidden and that was a choice that i chose to make essentially someone reported that fic i believe it was because they were not as aware of the tags as i believed that my audience would be they were more aware of my previous works i'm assuming that they thought that those warnings were for spicy content and not for violent and graphic depictions of murder. That fic was part of a murder mystery round robin that the medicine writers that I have made good friends with on Twitter decided we would do. We usually take part in fic exchanges so I think that the perception of what that fic was going to be was a lot different and so they reported me. Thankfully I tagged everything, I had warnings, I followed AO3's guidelines so that was fine. But I take it down because, you know, it is not my normal content. In the context of the actual round robin, everything that I wrote was overwritten by another author anyway, so it didn't make sense for my fic. Like, if I took it out, there was no change to the overarching storyline, so I decided it would be best to take it down myself. And I don't want to be negatively affecting people. I know that I write angst. That's a different kind of negative effect. That doesn't include people's trauma or PTSD. That just makes you a little bit sad for a while and then you read my next chapter and you're a little bit happy again. Do you know what I mean? I would hate to think that I was really negatively affecting people and triggering people. So I took it down. I also took down some other works. They're not gone forever. They are in a hidden playlist. So I still have access to them. I can still edit them. I can still re-upload them if that's something that I choose to do. But for now, that's really, I don't think that's something I should have put into the internet. From my perception, I was okay 
with that scene and writing that scene. I've written for Criminal Minds before, so, you know, the level of gruesomeness does not faze me. But I should have been more aware of that. So I just want to say I'm sorry as a result of that fic being reported. I now have to check everything and make sure that everything follows guidelines. And I believe that promoting my link tree or saying, hey, here's my link tree, even though that is a free service, things that are on my link tree, such as like PayPal and stuff like that, is a gray area for those guidelines. So I'm going to remove all instances of those from the account. Same goes for streaming my music, same goes for my Twitter. So if you really want to hear more updates, I would really, really, really advise following me on Twitter because that's probably where you're going to get updates for writing, for my music, me complaining about more things. Usually, I just thought that that deserved a quick mention. Again, it's RJ is random the same way that it is written on AO3. If you can find that, you can find the link tree so you'll be able to find my music, this podcast, the PayPal, my Instagram, my other social medias, TikTok, things like that. So literally, if you want to find me or find out what I'm up to, find the Twitter and you'll be good to go. Okay, so I have babbled on long enough. Today I'm going to be reading chapter two of my story, I Am Always Running Into You, continuing from where we left off. As I said last time, here's another quick author's note. This multi-chapter, medicine-centric story, that's the Meredith Grey and Addison Montgomery ship from Grey's Anatomy, deals with topics such as canonical character death, grieving, and major character death. If that sounds like something that you don't want to listen to, then I would recommend skipping this episode. I also just wanted to say that any medical information that is included in this story, completely made up from my own head, I know nothing. None of this is medical advice. None of this is properly researched. It's a fictional universe. Don't worry about it. Without further ado, let's continue. Chapter 2 Minefields I have a surgery this morning, and then I've got to go into the practice and see some patients as well as a consult at the hospital in the afternoon, but when I get back, we could talk some more, Addison rambled as she packed her handbag to go into work. Help yourself to anything in the house. The beach is right out the back door. There's a spare key under the mat in case you leave. If you need anything, Sam lives next door. I'm sure he could help you out with anything you need. She continued to ramble, scribbling on the back of an envelope. Here's my number, as well as my direct line at the practice. If you need anything, call me, okay? She smiled. We'll be fine. Thank you for this. You didn't have to. She smiled, taking the envelope and beginning to type the numbers into her phone. I guess I'll see you later. Addison smiled nervously at the door. I'll see you after work. Meredith smiled. It was disconcerting to the redhead how small Meredith's smile was now. She supposed it was to be expected. Shaking herself from her thoughts, she exited the house. Meredith would be fine. The house wouldn't burn down in her absence. She wasn't nervous about the kids or Meredith being in her house, but rather leaving them alone when they had barely had any time together. Meredith had clearly left Seattle on a whim, and coming to LA wasn't planned either. How long was she planning on staying? How long until she left again, in a whirlwind the same as she came? She wasn't ready to leave Meredith on her own in an unfamiliar territory when she was grieving a loss as big as Derek's. But she had work to do, baby to deliver at the hospital, and she couldn't just take time off to 
talk to Meredith. As much as she wanted to, there would be time for that after work. Addison arrived at the hospital, performing a C-section on a mother with twin boys. It was over and done with quickly, and both babies were fine. One had some trouble breathing in the beginning, but he was strong and pulled through. She made sure the resident on her case was closely monitoring the mother and the babies and knew to call her if any trouble came up. She quickly made the journey from St Ambrose to Oceanside Wellness, still thinking about Meredith's abrupt arrival as she rode the elevator. She quickly grabbed her messages and headed to her office to review her appointments for the day. She knew she was probably arousing suspicion, but she had enough on her plate already with the workplace drama. She wanted to simply focus on her work. When she was done for the day was when she could focus on Meredith. Except Addison had never been any good at separating her thoughts. Meredith plagued her mind all day. How was she doing? What were the kids up to? Did she have enough food in the house for them, or did they have to go out shopping? Did the kids have any spare clothes packed, or would they have to get them more? No matter how hard she tried, her thoughts kept spinning around in her head, and she couldn't quite hold them back. She didn't let them affect her work with her patients, but in the quiet moments, the in-betweens, she found herself struggling to focus on what was in front of her. It seemed that every time she had a break, her mind kept wandering back to Meredith on its own. She supposed she should be grateful that she hadn't received any panicked phone calls from Meredith or her neighbours. That at least had to be a good sign. She was up before the kids were, and Meredith was already downstairs by the time Addison was ready to go out the door for work. She suspected that the blonde hadn't slept well, if at all. She shook her head, trying to bring her head back to the lab results in front of her. She couldn't let this happen at work. Meredith would be fine. Sola and Bailey would be fine. She had to focus. She couldn't let her standard of care drop because of her wandering mind. A sharp knock on the door of her office interrupted her meanderings. Addison? It was Sheldon, standing hesitantly in the doorway, his crooked smile in place. Addison shut her laptop softly, leaning back in her chair as she welcomed the psychiatrist into her office. What is it, Sheldon? I think that's a question I should be asking you, Addison. The kind man sighed. You've been awfully quiet today. We haven't seen you. Something on your mind? He edged, taking one of the seats in front of her desk. Addison sat back, contemplating the man before her and whether she could trust him. Meredith clearly didn't want anyone to know that she was here in LA, and though Meredith and Sheldon surely didn't know each other, Addison had been trusted with the information. It was eating away at her inside. She stood, closing the door to her office, clicking the lock shut and drawing the blinds. Sheldon quirked a brow at the action, but chose not to speak, only turning in his chair to regard the surgeon. Addison dropped into the seat beside him, hands clasped as she leaned in. He would probably end up charging her for his time like the last time she confided in him, but this time it would be worth it. He would be duty-bound not to say anything to anyone else in the office. What I'm about to tell you, you cannot repeat it to anyone. Ever. Promise me, she urged. Though the man looked slightly bewildered at the request, he nodded. Of course. This conversation is strictly confidential. Okay, Addison breathed. You heard about Amelia's brother? My ex-husband, Derek? Sheldon nodded. Well, Addison stood, beginning to pace as she tried to explain the details. His wife, 
Meredith. She showed up at my doorstep last night with her two kids. Apparently she left Seattle two months ago. She went to San Diego and ended up in LA. I don't think anyone there knows that she's out here or even with me for that matter. But she is and I told her she can stay with me as long as she needs. Of course she can. I meant it. But I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What does she need me for? When I go home tonight, am I just supposed to pretend that things are normal? That Derek's just on vacation and wasn't hit by a car? This woman, Sheldon started, trying to find the words. She seems stable to you. She's not manic, experiencing great highs and deep lows. Yes! Addison stopped her pacing, frustrated that Sheldon didn't seem to quite get it. You were both married to this man. At one point, you thought you would be with him for the rest of your life. In some way, you know what it feels like. You know even just a fraction of what she's experiencing, he explained calmly. What am I supposed to do? Addison asked, exasperated as she sat back down. Loss like that takes time. She's going to need to learn what it's like to live in a world without her husband. When she's ready, she's going to need counselling. Don't push her. Just let her know that the option is there when she wants it. If you are really willing to help her through this, then you need to be committed. If you bail on her partway through, it will destroy any progress she's made. Don't avoid it altogether, but it's very recent. Try not to push her into talking about it before she's ready. He advised, standing to leave. What am I supposed to do? Right now, Addison pleaded. Sheldon turned back to regard the desperate woman before him. Be there for her. Don't try to push her into anything she isn't ready for. It sounds to me like this woman just needs you to be her friend. He smiled. Thank you, Sheldon. For any time, he smiled and left, the door snicking shut behind him. Addison sat back knowing that she would have to leave for her hospital consult soon. It couldn't be too difficult, right? She just had to try. And that concludes the second chapter of I'm Always Running Into You, the second episode of The Archive. If you're impatient like me and want to have a look ahead at what happens to the story between now and the next episode, then you can find this entire story as it is being updated on my AO3. You can find that on my link tree. That's linktree forward slash Ray J. That's R-E-Y-J. That link tree is in the link in my bio on my Twitter. And you can find me on AO3 as RJ underscore is underscore random. That's RJ is random. Thank you for listening. And I'll speak to you guys again soon.